Are you ready for the word this morning? In June month, we are speaking to build a strong foundation. You need a strong foundation with everything in life. If you want to build a building and uh, you need, and you, if you want to go higher, uh, small buildings, they don't bother with foundations so strong. But how higher the building, how stronger the foundation. And God wants you to have that strong foundation in your life. Because somewhere, if you don't build on a strong foundation, the building gets top heavy. And then it tumbles. Many buildings that they've built, that the uh, construction work in the foundation was not right. That buildings overfall and then the whole thing collapse. And then we speak about build a strong foundation to have effective, fearless, radical followers of Christ. Jesus was a radical person. <laughs> oh my word. A man in a grave and he said, roll away the stone from the tomb. And that's his friend Lazarus. And he said, come forth Lazarus. Radical. My word. God wants you to be radical. Because otherwise some people are so passive. If they walk, you feel like getting turpentine. I don't know what we do with it, but put them on charge. Come on, people. God, Jesus was radical. And we need radical effective if the Muslims can tie a bomb to their children and put them on a roller skate to roll into a bus or a building. That Muslim mother thinks that's the greatest honor. Now, in our community and mindsets, it doesn't work. They say, Religion there in Mapuma Malanga, they here in the Cape also. I don't hope they they throw their babies to the crocodiles as human sacrifices. But the Christians of oh, please don't say he said now I need to feed you for the crocodile. You want to get rid of your wife? Don't do it. I'm saying, please. I said God wants you to become radical for Jesus. Radical. Men getting Boeings. Fly into the two towers. They know that it's a life bomb. And they do it in the name of Allah Kabbalah. Now here we Christians is somebody step on your big toe and say, I'm angry. I'll never go back. She looks like a bulldog. She showed her teeth to me. You know, and we have all these hang-ups. Because we need to build on a strong foundation. The devil fights you never where you are. He's fighting you where you're going. Because he doesn't want you to be and to have what God intends for you to have. And then that we can build a strong church. That's why our scripture that we use, the theme scripture for in this series, comes out of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. It says, not in your own strength. Say, not in my own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Where does God work? Say, in me. He says, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. That's why I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Not by the Holy Flesh. Or by desires. Or by emotions. Or by money. Or by opportunity. I must be. Or even not by pride.
prophecy. I must be led by the Holy Spirit. He says, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Say, I was created by God for God. Oh, 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 no, 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 the devil needs to hear it this morning. Say, I was created by God for God. So that the devil can hear it this morning because he wants to create a picture in your mind that you are often, you're no good. You're a bad Christian because somebody said something bad. You're a bad person. You are not. By word, you're just working on your testimony. Come on, people. If that scripture says, no, it's for, it is God who works, listen, in us effectually. He says, and energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good, God's will, for God's plan, God's purpose, God's calling upon your life. That's why God is working in you for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Hallelujah. That means this morning you need to discover Three powerful things that will protect you on your life journey. And the three parts to lay that strong foundation, solid foundation is you must know who made you. God made me, listen, <laughs> who God made you to be. He made me to be his son and his daughter, an heir of God. That's my identity. He didn't make me to be religious. He didn't make me to be hyper-spiritual and speak Christianese. Praise God up his spot. He called you to be a true son and a true daughter of God that's so in love with him that he means more to you than anything on the face of the earth. That's what God created. I have an identity. The heaven opened. John the Baptist, well, the Baptist was busy baptizing Jesus. And as he brought Jesus out of the water, the heaven opened and a voice came. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God was establishing identity. Identity. John the Baptist saw him. He said, there is the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. So the first thing that I to build a solid foundation, I must understand my identity. Because if you're confused about your identity, about God, you're going to waste your life and time. You must know God loves you. Sometimes we battle with that, to think God can love me. Because we know our shortcomings, our mistakes, and our faults. Is there anybody that knows his shortcomings, mistakes, and faults? Oh, thank you for the honest ones. We're going to make an altar call for the people on the broadcast. God, you must know that God loves you unconditional, cares for you with all your mistakes, 
with your funny nose. With that funny big toe in your shoe. Come on. He loves you. And because if you know that, identity can be established. Number two, you need to know the next thing to build this, what God wants me to do on the face of the earth. Oh, I was just born, El San Peter Toy. They, my parents, and they were in Shingola. My dad was on the copper mines, and I was born in a town in Shingola, and we lived in Ndola. I wasn't born there. They called me after a German, Gustav. I hated that name. School called me Appelkis because I was always fighting. Always poses. I always. Then I'm in the office and the principal said, Appelkis. We had enough of Appelkis here in the school because I was stangerach and uh, always fighting. But that's not what I. So I didn't like my name until Americans came here years ago. And one day she did a research. She said, do you know what's your name? I said, no. She said, your name is God's staff. God's staff. I said, oh my word, I like that name now. Now they can leave the titles. I just love my name. You see, but we were created and designed by God for a purpose. We're wasting time, people. Because we are parked somewhere in life. When life slaps you and gives you a knockdown, and, and then we say, uh, this is all what I'm going to do. You move from action to passiveness. And then the third thing, because I know uh, my identity, I know why I am created by God, why I am the face of the earth. I'm here to be Christ's personal ambassador, to represent the kingdom of heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Come on, somebody. You are the heir of God. You bought blood by word. When people see you, they see Jesus inside of you. And you're called with this phenomenal calling to go and make disciples of all nations. God has the nations in store for you. Ach nee, die Heer het my my geroep hier vir kruibraai. Gaan my in kruifontein sit. I'm going to sit here in kruifontein. That's all what the Lord called me. Then you have a group. And now I'm in trouble again. They say, I'm just called for the white people. I said, my Lord, you limited because there is hardly white people left over in this nation. I said, God called you for nations, nations, nations. Now, thank God I am not white. Do I look like this? If you look like this, you're part of the Adams family. Please don't send me that messages. I can see now. You start typing there. Because I get sometimes the weirdest messages with things I say from the pulpit. We called for nations. I am in a new culture. The heaven culture. In the heaven culture, we're all the same. They just forgot to put me in the oven. 
Okay, now I got you laughing because now you are very serious and think, where are you going? But listen, when I go to America or nations and they hear I'm coming from Africa, they say, a couple told me we came here to watch a black man from Africa. Why aren't you black? I said, I am. I said, but I said, yeah, my parents paint me with PVA, white PVA paint. And they put me in jig. Because with me, I understand you are called for the nations. And this ministry is a ministry of all nations. So that's what you need to understand. Why God made you. What's your purpose on the face of the earth? And the most important thing, you can know all of that. But time, if you don't use your time effectively. That's why it's so of vital importance who you are. What you're supposed to do, when you need to do it, and the time is now. Somebody say, now. When all these three things line up, listen church, you have the ingredients for a significant life to live on the face of the earth. I didn't say a successful life. I say a significant life. Significance is above success. So a lot of people say, you're successful. I said, I don't want to be successful. I want to be significant. Whose lives did I impact? Who could I motivate to come out of the obscurity of life and out of the, the dark places where he is and she is to move in dimensions they've never moved in before? Because God's plan is so phenomenal and it's tested by fire. It's tested in the lion's den. It was tested with the flood. It was tested my word when they boiled John uh, and he didn't die and they banned him to the Isle of Patmos. The promise of God and his plan for your life is so unique. I refuse to die without fulfilling the great grand design what God has for my life. I refuse it to die. I want to do it because the cement to keep the significant life and to build the foundation is in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Mark 11, 20 comes and it tells us the next story where a man came to Jesus. Now remember, Jesus didn't die. They were heavy in the law of Moses. In the morning... When they were passing along, they know. Mark. Did I say Mark? Did I say Mark 11 20? I'm at my scripture, my foundation scripture of faith. A man came to Jesus, Matthew. It must be Matthew. A man came to Jesus and he asked him this phenomenal question. I'm sorry, love, it's Mark chapter 12, 30, the message translation. And he said, Master, what's the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Because they were under the law and everything. And then Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your. 
out of and with your 50% of your heart or just 10%? Did he say that? Did you see the word there, with your whole heart? He said, this is the great commandment. You must love the Lord your God with your whole heart and out of your heart. He says, and out and with all your soul, your life, and out of and with all your mind, with your faculty of thoughts and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. Say action. I cannot be a hearer of the word and not a doer because I need action there. This is the first and the principle, the highest commandment. Verse number 31. The second is like it, and it is this. You shall love your, your, even that one that you don't like. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the biblical foundation to build your life when I know why God, what is the reason I'm here. And if I know my word, what's my purpose of operating and when, and I use that, then I can build on an unshakable, unshakable. That's okay. That's okay. It's unshakable foundation. Oh, my word. Thank you. Because this is the thing, family. The foundation of the Bible is loving God and loving people. Look at somebody and say, you're so beautiful. But please first say it to your own wife and your own husband before you say it to Jean-Claude Van Damme that sits there behind you. And then you turn around to everybody and say, you're phenomenal. I love you because it's the Jesus in me that loves you through me. Now, last Sunday, we start with, how's it possible that you start in the spirit and you're so on fire for God and there comes a time that you get passive. I remember when I started serving the Lord, I couldn't wait for services and prayer meetings. And if there was not a prayer meeting, we create our own prayer meeting in our house. And we prayed and we gathered people. And I walked miles as a young boy to services because my parents was in a main church and we were in a Pentecostal church and they refused to have anything to do. I was on fire. 15 years old, I preach on the corner of streets. Preach in parks to get people saved. And then you're so on fire until somebody puts water on that fire. My pastor called me and he said, how old are you? I said to him, he said, you wait behind your ear. Stop your nonsense. You're going to burn out. Stop this thing. You embarrass me by preaching everywhere because he's lazy. He didn't do it. And then slowly I became like the rest of the church. One person had a heart attack in the church after they carried six people out that, out that looked dead. They got the right one 
because most of them there would look dead. And this is the thing. You cannot live in smoke if you have the liquid fire of God inside of you. You baptize in him. God is not a Sunday situation. It's a seven day a week. We live him. In him we live, we move and have our being. Come on people. Now we spoke about the seven passion killers we got to. Number one, because Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. That means NIV translation. (laughs) He says, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive, decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living, as with fire, hallelujah. Sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. The NIV translation says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual Father, you need to keep it. You need to keep yourself on fire because God desire, just leave it, just leave it. God desire that we will worship him with passion, love him with passion, seek him with passion, serve him with passion, trust him with passion, obey him with passion. Everything we do, says Colossians chapter 3, 23, whatever you do, do it passionately we cannot do it so slow motion I can do anything I can wash a toilet I can sweep the floor I can vacuum it doesn't take anything from my dignity away because I do it as unto the Lord with passion there was a time when my passion faded out and the first thing is Un, what did we say last week? The first thing was unclear purpose. If you don't understand your purpose in life, you were not here to be born, have an education, go to school, get married, have babies, get old and die. That's not God's idea. Oh my word, think how miserable I would be. I mean, we've got phenomenal, five phenomenal grandkids. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. They serve God and love God. But I was not called just to be an opa. I was called to impact a life. Because if you don't understand God's purpose, he called you. He saved you. To save other people. And to change lives. Now the second one. That's my lemma that asks. Is the service over or must Jean say it's too long. Second one is. Unused talents. There's talents in this building. At the age of 50. I start developing. A thing with a toothpick. How to paint roses. And lavender. And table mountain. And squatter camps on soap with it. Toothpick. Think we may be three in the world by his grace that I'm saying that. 
Then I start. And I told the story. My mother always say, you can do nothing, carry a Bible and preach. And then I start painting. I've got paintings. I have paintings. But I painted by the grace of God. From Table Mountain, Oceans. Uh, I paint on shells. I paint on it. If you stand still too long, then I'll paint on you also. Then I'll start manufacturing soap. Then I'll start making molds. And people say, you're too old. Cannot happen. And I'm passionate about that. That's why I can get up in the middle of the night and start painting. Get up very early morning. Couldn't wait for this service. And so I said this morning, did daddy sleep okay? He said, yeah, I was so awake. I was ready to get four o'clock and dress and get ready for the service. But I was not there all the time. Because I realize I have talents and abilities. What you have. Unused talents will cause you to lose your passion. Because it's part of your makeup. It's in you. The world are passionate about everything. If you Google the word passion, they're passionate about mushrooms. Now, if they smoke it or eat it, I don't know. Passionate about screwdrivers. Passionate about makeup, about hair, about sport. I would say in the eight o'clock service, I was visiting this family, tried to win them for the Lord, and the soccer thing was on, and the man said, uh, excuse me, my team is a big thing. So he was, you know, always pretend very religious. And, and the next moment, the other team have a goal. He jumped up. He starts speaking in tongues. Your thunder and lightning. And he was going on. And he wants to put his fist through the TV. And now he's angry. He said, he said, okay, uh, doctor, you can tell me now. So I started, he said, no, you're in a weird church. He said, when the music play, people jump and they scream and they wave their hands. You see, for the world, it's normal to act crazy with when they're passionate about something. They say, be passionate about everything except passionate about God. We're passionate about God. You're passionate about your job. That's why you get up five o'clock to go and work six o'clock. When it comes Sunday morning, say, Jesus, not this time. And because Christians lost their passion, the world is in big trouble. Because heaven say you are the answer for the world. You are the light of this world and the salt of the earth. You can sing. You can play music. You can help. You have an ability to, to handle people. You're the phenomenal usher. You can work with children. You are called for children. Say something. Feed the poor. You are called. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Because unused talents will cause you to lose your passion for life 
and your passion for God as each of you has received a gift, a particular spiritual talent, a gracious divine endowment. Employ it. For who? One another. As benefit good, trustees of God's many-sided grace, faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. If you put that talent in a cloth and hide it, God's going to require one day, what did you do with what I gave you? You sit here, you've never preached. You can be a better preacher than what I ever can be. You have that talent, that gifting. And if I don't use my talents for God's glory, he said, the other translation says, serve each other with your talent. Well, I'm too old now to do these things. Man, we recycled youth. I introduced Tashan Gonzal to somebody this week. I said, oh, to the developer, I said, this is my older sister and that's my younger sister. Because if I say it's my daughters, they think, then you must see the children's face. See, people, you have the talent. You cannot hide it. Nobody needs to beg you to do something because we have developed through the years and the, the error that was teach in the church world. There's one crazy man on the platform and he does everything. Jesus had a team. And it's only when there's a team, there's conquest. Where I'm weak, you so strong. Where you're weak, somebody else is strong. But we're here to serve each other and use your gifts and talents. We love the promises of God, but we hate the process. Because we don't want to get, no, I want to make disciples, but I don't want to go through the process. Unused talents leads to passion killer. Number three, an unbalanced schedule. If you do not put God first and you put hobbies and all kinds and they fly doves and we have parakeets and the other one have bunnies that they need to take to the bunny park now. And my word, the excuses people have. And, and then they say, I'm so tired. Yeah, because people say, I study my Bible. The danger of Bible study is if you only take in and you don't give out. Error comes. If you only feed yourself and you don't release that energy through sharing with people about Jesus, you come in an unbalanced schedule. Maybe you just perform and go on and that's what I've seen many times and you don't actually, you're under nourished spirit. You don't feed yourself spiritually. And you're in that unbalanced schedule. We'll get to it later on. But you either overwork or underwork. You must recharge. Otherwise, you get compassion fatigue. That's why Sundays is here to charge you. To come out of your passion fatigue. 
Well, I need five jobs because I cannot make it. Stop spending. You try to buy stuff that you don't need to impress somebody that don't like you. The neighbors bought a new car, so we better get one, you know. Stop it. You're going to get an unbalanced schedule. If God is not first, your whole life is like a domino effect. Everything, the order change. God must be first in everything. The first day of the week is Sunday. It's God's day. Where do you get that in the Bible? Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God first in everything. First day, the first time, the first hour of your day, the first money of your income belongs to God. Give it to him. It's honor. Honor him. That's all. Because if you have an unbalanced schedule, if the world takes too much of your time and you neglect your spiritual life, you feed your body three decent meals seven days a week, but you feed your spirit once a week, a little viscous bokum and snook and a patat. Your body looks like this, but your spirit looks like smiggles. Some of you will know smiggles. God wants your spirit to be a giant. Because what is compassion fatigue? You just stop caring and don't care about God and people anymore. James chapter 2 verse 17 tells me this phenomenal story. James 2.17 So also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up by itself, it is destitute of power, inoperative, it's dead. Faith is action. So Gustav, what do I do? Come back. Get yourself charged up. Get in the word. Come to a Monday night class to help you so that you can then train other people. That's what they do. How to have the schedule and how to move in greatness for God. Come on, people. When, when serving God becomes an effort, you're in big trouble. When serving God, you have all the excuses on the map. It's a big trouble because you are going to run out of energy. Passion is what energizes life. Passion is what makes the impossible possible. Passion is what takes a, a good athlete, I said, and turn him into a great one where he can break records. That's what passion do. Because the greatest force behind all the art, all the music, all the best whatever is passion, writings and things. Number four, an unresolved conflict. You know, sometimes we let scabs grow over the wound. I know because I was there. I was hurt. When my sister was severely raped. Two Octobers ago. By a young man. She's in the 60s. And she passed away now 10 months ago. And uh, I went to her. And I said, sister, you have a choice. We were quite close. 
so that you can get better or better. Questions in her mind was, why did God allow it? I said, no, God didn't allow it. God is not the author. We cannot blame God. She said, I should have listened to the inner voice that said, I mustn't allow this person to come in. It's somebody that she knows that she helped. Because if you don't deal with the wound and you let scabs grow over it every time when you bump yourself or somebody scratch it, you open the wound. The Bible tells us when the revival break, broke out, 2013, I call every person that I know that left the church 38 years ago, so many years ago, or how many years ago, and I said, forgive me if I did something. No, you don't do anything. I said, I just need to, because somewhere in my heart, maybe I carried something. I grew up in a family, and I have no reason to be angry. And one day in 1993, I'm on my way back from Paro, back home, Cryfontaine, and a Angers push up in me against my father. And if you know me, I'm not an angry person. I, don't, I'm not, I have no enemies from my side. I'm not angry with people. <clears throat> people are angry with me when the hearse is one day going to travel with my body. Some's going to cry. Some is going to drink J.C. LaRue with caviar and say, thank God we make compost out of him today. But... I don't have enemies. I'm not angry with people. I don't sleep angry. His promises are new every morning. I cannot afford to be angry. I need to make time. And I know some people are sitting sometimes in your battle because that's why you don't love yourself. You don't love yourself and you cannot love other people. But that's a passion killer that hinders the communication with God because now you look at God and you think, told you the story with a yellow suit. Now God told me to give a suit to this young boy. He came from the Congo. He sat in the meeting and the Lord said, he doesn't understand. I gave him a Mercedes-Benz away. Same way God said, people are coming. I gave away the previous Sunday a car and I love that car. Oh my word, I just put a brand new engine. It was a, a Toyota Camry, quite an old one. But I love that white car. It had a fin here at the back. Looked very sporty. I just need a big chain and implant some chest hair. Yeah, you know, the ones that comes out like that. And wear a big shirt with white shoes. And, and uh, so that week I bought a, a Mercedes-Benz. And the, on the way that Sunday, the Lord said, there's coming a family this morning. This man battled to understand me as God the Father. You need to give him that car. And I know what it is when people battle with that issue. But you need to get the conflict resolved. Because 1 John, uh, no not 1 John, Job chapter 18 verse 4 says uh, in the message translation. John chapter, uh, Job, 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 Job chapter 18 verse 4. I've heard here in Afrikaans, you mark yourself you who tear yourself in your anger shall the earth zap zap. Shall the earth be forsaken for you or the rock be removed out of its place. It says you hurt yourself when you are angry. You only hurt yourself. You drink the poison, you wish the person you're angry with will die. 
I had to forgive people. Because God cannot answer your prayer. God cannot answer your prayer. If you are angry and judgmental. And if you walk around with hurt. And you, you don't get over it. He said when you pray forgive. So that you can be forgiven. Mark chapter 11 from verse 20 to 24. Now you must forgive. The next thing is unconfessing. You say, what? What do you mean with unconfessing? Do you know sometimes I had pride that I never thought I had. My pride came out of anger. 2012, my mother was murdered. The music pastor gone. The school principal gone. I don't want to go into all the detail. The person who runs the hotel for us. He is gone. Then they murdered one of our pastors two hours before his 50th birthday on the Eustenberg Flakte Bridge, and they didn't steal a demon possessed man. Friday night, Friday, uh, Thursday night, Friday morning, they fired the project manager. Friday night, we had a church split. I was angry. My anger was so terrible that I want to put them in jail. And Lanzel said, Don't do it, you're angry. If you're not angry and they get bail, guess who's going to pay the bail? You. So save yourself a lot of heartaches. And then the day when the revival hit in June the 5th, 2013, when the power of God hit me, I said, no, I don't want this. That's how I told the Lord. I said, please, Jesus, don't embarrass me in front of all these people. It's pride. It's pride. Because I had to forgive. And when the power of God hit me and I stood up, when I think about all those people, instead of anger, I start crying. And I mean, they all came back and I hugged them and I loved them. And I don't care about them, whatever. Uh, if I say I don't care, I, I don't care about what happened. I, you can do nothing about yesterday. You can only do something about this morning by making, you're one minute away from making a quality decision for your future. Let me land. Because 1 John 1 9 says, confess. You know what confession means? Confession means to agree with God. 1 John 1 verse 9. It means agree with God. If we freely admit that we have sinned. I lost my temper one time and I had to go to the person. That I was not wrong in the sense of why I got angry. But I was wrong because I didn't ask for forgiveness. I went to the person. The person said, you didn't do it. It was me. I said, no, no. I confess my sin. I shouldn't have lost my temper. He says, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he's faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness and continue. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything, not in conformity to his will in purpose. Because what happens when I walk around, it kills the passion. There's a blockage. Did you ever say, I feel I don't make contact with God? Tell people, maybe you need to forgive yourself for something you did. Maybe God told you to do something. There was a time when God said, give this amount of money away, and I didn't do it, and then boom. I had to confess, and then I phoned the person. I said, God told me to do this. I'm going to put interest because I didn't obey God instantly, and that burden lived. 
Or God said, leave right now, go and pray. He will not say now in the service to go, after the service, go and pray for somebody and I don't do it, that person died. I said, God, forgive me my disobedience. I confess it. I was not obeying you. Somebody asked if they can see me. And uh, I'm at the house and the Lord said, take this amount of money. That's why this meeting is going to be the persons in dire straits. And I went, we sat here, yeah, yeah, in the church. At the stage wasn't here, that one. And the person started, I said, stop. I don't want to hear. Yeah, this is what the Lord said. That ignite the love of God in that person for God. I'm not telling you. I'm just saying. Unconfessing. Somebody hurt you. You're still crying about Josie that you divorced in 1976. His children that he had with that woman is already grown up, but you're still angry with him and the woman and the children. And you're miserable. See, let it go. Drop it. You cannot walk. It becomes sin. If you know to do right and you don't do it, the Bible says, then it's sin. So, confess means I just agree with God. God, I'm in agreement with you. I want to walk in love. I want to love people. I want to care for people like never before. Now it's very quiet at that one. Don't worry, it's going to get better. Number six and seven, are we done? An unsupported lifestyle. Well, they hurt me. I'm going to serve God now in my house. Me, the chihuahua, and the goldfish, and the cat. Now I'm just going to serve God. I want nothing to do with God's people anymore. If you have an unsupported lifestyle, you're going to need God's people like never before. We need each other. They stick closer than a brother. They're your family. They're going to outlive your natural family. Your natural family dies. But your spiritual family is going to stay with you. And you're going to spend eternity with them. And that's why it's very dangerous to have an unsupported lifestyle. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 to 25. If we can get that up there. Because that is very, very dangerous. If you have an unsupported lifestyle. Ecclesiastes, keep that scripture. And I'm just reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 19. Two are better than one. Because if one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and there is no one to help him up. You need a friend, three things. You need a model, Jesus. You need a mentor, be cautious who speaks in your life and who counsels you and whom to you listen. Make sure it's the word. Number three, you need friends and followers. Keep that scripture up, please, thank you. It says, and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Verse 25. It says, not forsaking or neglecting. 
neglecting. There's a possibility that I can forsake and neglect. Neglect betekent verwaarloos. To assemble together as believers, as it is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approach. That scripture means don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Don't neglect the Sunday services. That's what it means. He says, don't neglect. Let us consider the NIV, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, but let us encourage one another. I don't know about you. I need you. The success from this ministry and what you've seen there on the board is not me. It's the team. It's the people. There's people in this church 42 years. They gave their hearts to the Lord. They're still here. There's people here. here. There's new people that came. We love you. You have something. A wisdom maybe I don't have. But we need each other. Children that's now 21 and 26 and 30 and 35 and 40. Then I think, oh my word, I saw your mother pregnant with you. I dedicate you. You know, many moons ago. But that's God's instruction for a solid foundation. Because we, you the only letter people will read. And if you sloppy and sloppy agape and just float through and say, I don't care. Everybody that you're in contact with say, oh, he does it, she does it. I can be the same. No, you need to have support. Be planted in the house, Psalm 92. You can only flourish in the courts when you're planted in the house of God. No, I go as the Spirit leads me. Somebody told me, he said, said, where do you worship? God told me not to belong to a local church. That is truly Casper. Or Oma Savania. That's not the Bible. Well, I go as the Spirit leads me. Okay. God never leads you. To nothing. He wants you to be active, to change the world. You are, a, you are the hope the world is looking to. And somebody goes and say, thank God, here comes the last one. We're going home. Listen. Number seven, an undernourished spirit. I mentioned it earlier. Colossians 2, 6 to 7, Living Bible. As, uh, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too. For each day's problems, live in vital union with him. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw up nourishment from him. Draw up nourishment from him. That's okay, keep that translation there. See that you go on growing in the Lord. And become strong and vigorous. That's what Colossians 2, 6 to 7, the living Bible translation says. He says, have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, in Jesus. 
fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. You must feed your spirit, man. You must feed. Get fed on the word. If I don't preach, I listen to somebody that preach. I need it. I need to feed myself the whole week because we deal with issues of life and with people and burdens and heartaches and death and, and sicknesses and, and bankruptcies. And st- what we, we deal with people, we deal with the heartaches of life. You can only take people where you are. You can never take people higher than you. As you grow, they're going to grow. That's why it's so important, family. And let me give you the last scripture. The New Living Translation of Exodus 34, 14. You must worship only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate, who is passionate about his relationship with you. God loves you. He's so excited when you love him. He's passionate. He's passionate. Listen. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God doesn't want to share you. You married 20 years. I I counseled somebody. I said, why did you get a divorce from your wife? He said, what would you do if you married a person four years and you opened suddenly her Bible and here you find her previous boyfriend in his speedo standing like a sugar bowl in the Bible with hearts and crosses at the favorite scripture. Come on, brothers. Who of you want to serve be married to you jealous now you're gonna watch every sms every whatsapp you wait even if she puts her fingerprint on or her eye thing you wait till she sleeps then you bring the phone closer and you open her eye to get the thing unlocked or you take his fingerprint because you develop in suspicion now You need to, listen, feed your spirit man. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says, just as you trust Christ to save you, trust him. That's the one we were reading. That's up there. Trust him. Verse 7 says of that scripture, Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him. You must be, did you read their roots firmly? You must be planted. Nobody else can lay another foundation than what was laid, Jesus Christ. And think about the passion God has for you. Musicians can come, how much he loved you. How Jesus walked to the cross. Jesus showed him, says Acts chapter 1, 3, alive to them after his passion by many demonstrations for 40 days he had continued to appear to them all and tell them about the kingdom of God. Listen, that same Jesus that loved us so much 
He showed us what real love is. Love is not demonstrated in words. It's demonstrated in actions. If we say we love God and hate our brother, said you don't have the love of God. 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He loves you so much. All the scars, the wounds, the blood he shed was because he said, I did it for you. I don't know about you, I'm serving God 52 years. I've been a pastor for 46 years. I have disappointed God many times. But God never, ever disappointed me. He loves you so much. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus, Christ as Lord and Savior, our viewers from wherever you are tuned in, God wants you, he doesn't want you to go to hell. He paid a price, he gave his life so that you might have life and have it in abundance. If you're that person this morning that say, Jesus, save me, forgive me my sin, wash me in the blood, just want you to raise your hand to help people so that we can pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I, can I ask us next step? Those of you to say, devil, I'm sticking my finger right in your eye. Those that raise their hands, will you just stand right now? I just want to lead you in this phenomenal prayer. Oh my God. Come on people, this is Jesus. Everybody in this room, let's pray with them this morning. To say, Lord Jesus, I confess this morning that I am a sinner. I've heard the word of the Lord. Forgive me my sin. Wash me in the blood. Cleanse me from my past. Lord, I am sorry. Thank you that you forgive me this morning. That I can stand before you in righteousness. As a child of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. That my name is written in the book of life. And from this day on, I will serve you, Jesus. With all of my heart with all of my being. And I say thank you for this opportunity that I could accept you this morning as Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Six, is it six, seven people? Every person in this house this morning to say, I'm not going to let passion killers kill my passion for God. Those of you just stand, tomorrow night there's a life class here. 
and uh, come with greatness. They cost nothing. We want to help you to be that giant that you can heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Remember that miracle last Sunday that took place for the people from Robertson, the lady with the stroke and the man with the cancer. The report is phenomenal what God did. Phenomenal what God did. We've got great miracle testimonies. Serve God. Become that person. God doesn't want you to be a dead letter. He wants you to be a walking, alive epistle that people can see. Tell somebody when you go home, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So do you. You need to give your heart. Every person that says this morning, I'm dealing with every passion killer. I'm coming in my purpose. I'm coming in my purpose. I have a gift, a talent, an ability. I'm not an AWOL anymore. I'm going to bring it unto God as a living sacrifice. If there's unresolved conflict, make it right. Make peace with yourself and forgive yourself. And say, Jesus, here I come this morning. If you're undernourished spirit, say, Lord, I'm going to feed my spirit man the best so that I can be a giant in the Lord. This unconfessed sin, that pride or anything, say, God, just forgive me. I'm coming to you like never before. And if you say, God, from this day on, I'm dealing with every passion killer, but from this day on, I'm going to serve you with passion, love you with passion. Do everything I do, do it as unto the Lord. Will you stand with me right now? In the mighty name of Jesus, the living Christ, every person. We love you, Lord. We glorify your name this morning. Father, people are standing all over this auditorium to say, Jesus, this morning, I'm going to serve you. I'm dealing with that passion killers, the things that hinder me, that hold me back. I let go. I drop it. I'm not going to hold it against nobody. I'm moving on. I'm going to be planted in the house. I need the support, Lord Jesus. And thank you for my brothers and sisters that I can serve the Lord as your word instruct. And from this day on, I'm going to be so on fire for the Messiah. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I pray that you will touch each and every one of them. Anoint them with fresh oil. Let your name be lifted high and be glorified. And that you use them that you use them, Lord, so that Jesus will be lifted high. We deal with every passion killer. From today on, we serve you. We're passionate about God, passionate about your house, passionate about ministry, passionate about giving, passionate about testifying, passionate because we love you and we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn to somebody, say, you are a world changer. You are a history maker. You are a planet shaker. You're going to change the world by the grace of God. Come and close for us in prayer, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the word once again, Lord. Thank you that we are reminded, Father God, who we are in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, the foundation, the scriptures, Father, will remind us during this week, Father, wherever we go, where we are, Father, and we have a responsibility. Thank you for action, Father. Thank you for your fire. Thank you for, Father God, that we can believe and trust in you, Father, for this week in the name of Jesus. We give you glory and power in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.